What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And we're coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We're live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube. We're live on Twitch. We are live on Twitter. And if you hear those digs in the background, that's Pete making his merry way here to the show. He but likes may- to, he put a bell around his neck so he could hear him coming. <laughs> and that's the ding, ding, ding. Absolutely. Uh, now, I'm very excited to have you all here this evening uh. at this wonderful show. Pete, uh, Pete, L- Large Pete is what I call you. <laughs> Uh, other Pete, oh. I guess Justin. Uh, what? Uh, where are you coming from? You're in Phoenix right now. Is that what's going I'm in, on? I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, for a job. Um, this place is hot. Uh, I'm in an embassy suite. What a Ooh. what a suite. Yeah, that's why you see this. Man, is that one of those free breakfast places? Do you get a free breakfast there? Yeah, there's free breakfast. They um, have uh, a weird uh, like center area. Everything in Phoenix is like a mall. It's like a big mall. It feels like I wa- we got here. It's like everything in the city was built yesterday. Oh, and maybe it was. Maybe. Maybe it's, it's like, real are place. you in Phoenix? Are you sure you're in Phoenix and it's not some sort of like con type thing where they just built a city to trap you in some way? Let me say, the fact that it's even named Phoenix had me like, this is some sort of comic book thing mm-hmm. that I'm trapped in. I know what it is. You're in dark Phoenix. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be retconned somehow, I think. Maybe yeah. I'm going to be retconned. Hey, should we bring our friend Pete in here? Bring him into the stream? Pete LePage? Yeah, yeah, let's give it a shot. Oh, hey, Pete. How's it going? Oh, what's up, guys? Hey, thanks for coming to the show. Always good to see you. Justin's reporting live from Dark Phoenix, we've established. Yeah. And you're coming from Days of Future Past because you're so late right now, right? Hey! <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, I'm... sorry. I got to push my extinction agenda. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. oh, man. I could actually, I ran out of crossovers. Phalanx oh, Covenant. Yeah. There you go. I was just going to say Phalanx <laughs> Covenant. I was like, that one's hard to say, just regular. Yes. Now, listen, uh, since Pete is so on it and prepared, I'm sure he's going to love this, but. Once a month, we pay tribute to our Patreon supporters, people on our Patreon who donate at the $5 and above level. We say thank you. Of course, we also say thank you to anybody below that, but we specifically call out these people's names. Usually, I'm going to say this out loud for no particular reason. I think I'll go first and say a name, and then Pete will go second, and then Justin will go third, and then we'll kind of go around from there. Sound good to everybody? Yeah, Yeah, sounds great. I love it. Okay. Well, let's kick it off saying a big thank you to Otis Larson. Aaron C. Hollis. Adam DeRose. Adam Harwitz. Adam Marks. Adriel Moreland. Elena Fontenot. Amanda Harris. Andrew. Andrew Primo. Andrew Tillman. Beercat PhD. Benjamin Brown. Carly W. Carrie Matthews. Chris Leatherman. Christina Jeremilo. Christina Rensfield. Christer Lizzie. Clemens Lua. Curtis LaRock. Demand Ryan. Damian Becton. Dan Snow. Daniel Cabral. Daniel Fuentes. Closing out the Danny Black with Danny Heck. Kicking off the Debbie Block with Debbie Gloom. Dennis Scott. <laughs> Derek Mainhart. Doug Sadaway. Dylan LJ. Eduardo Martinez. Aaron Durian. Jeffrey Risher. Gerard de Villiers. Isaac Carter. Jake Fry. James Connolly. James Kurtz. Jaron Townsend. Jason Donahue. Jeffrey Whaley. John George. John Henderson. Jonathan Jong. Jonathan McCool. 
Joshua W. Broxton. Julian Lobato. KC Newhaven. Don't do the crimes if you can't pay the Kevin Grimes. <laughs> uh, I came to Kevin uh, Clyde Rock. No, that didn't work as well. I'm sorry. Kieran <laughs> <Aaron> Broderick. <laughs> Cody Thomas. Luana Thomas. Lucas Sink. Mark Zeller. Matt Tice. Matthew C. Hernandez. Michael Tillman. Nelson Kelso Martinez. Nick Grayson. Official CBC chef Brett Macris. Omnia Soul Art. Oren Dix. Pedro A. Wrangle. Pete's Pretty Kitty. Prime. Ring, ring, ring. It's time to call the provocative ambulance. <laughs> Rev Mikey. Robert Pettenau. Sarah Schottmuller. Uh, Sarah Schaefer. Scott Carpenter. Scott England. Stanley. Tamelia Rush. Taylor Bryan. Terrible Jason. The Big Flood. The Twelve Bench. Victor Perez. Will Buchanan. William Leach. Zachary Bachman. Zika's Viral Comics. Thank you all so much for your support of the show. We really appreciate it. If you would like to support it, patreon.com slash comic book club. Not only do you get access to our very active, very fun Patreon Slack, but you also get our back catalog from 2011 through 2022. That is thousands of podcasts at your disposal to listen to at any time. I think it's cool. Hopefully you all think it's cool too. Now listen, (laughs) we are going to bring in our first guest here back to the show. He's the creator of a new book from Image Comics called Indigo Children. Ladies and gentlemen, Kurt Pyers. Hello, Kurt. Welcome back. Hey. hey. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh my gosh. So excited to talk about this book. We reviewed the first issue on our Stack podcast and absolutely loved it. We're blown away. Thought it was very interesting given the span of your work and how it connects to other things that you've done, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a moment. But uh, overall, since there's a lot of twists and turns, and I, I know I've been doing this a lot on the show for anybody's listening consistently, but I never want to blow up spoilers that the cur- uh, the creator doesn't want to say. So what what's your pitch for the book? Like when you're saying, here's what Indigo Children is, a lot of it is what you discover as a reader over the first issue. But what's the yeah. what's the selling point you've been giving to people? uh well so i always fall back on the the really annoying hollywood elevator pitch stuff i think that's the easiest way to sell the books even though some people uh you know get angry when you do that uh and probably the (laughs) the best one i've heard and i uh was i think the guys at challengers comics in in chicago they pitched it as like uh you know like Department of Truth meets uh, Umbrella Academy or, you know, X-Files mm-hmm. meets So it's like a grounded conspiracy thriller slash mystery about uh, this journalist who's investigating uh, the Indigo children who are these kids gifted with extraordinary abilities who just disappeared out of nowhere 15 years ago. And there's sort of like scarce evidence about them and, and, all this sort of stuff. Uh, and he's really obsessed with it. And, and his, in his past, he's maybe witnessed, you know, one of the kids. And so it's like uh, a grounded entry point into this conspiracy narrative that centers around like gifted children, which uh, obviously, you know, touches on kind of a bit of the superhero thing. But I think our way into it is 
hopefully really cool and, and fresh and, and just meant made to be accessible to people. Yeah. Yeah. And I well, sort of read it oh, as right. I'll throw my pitch back at you. Uh, it lost if they didn't completely ignore the Walt storyline and actually dealt with all that stuff that they set up. That's a good one. That's a bit, a bit harder to sell to people than <laughs> I annoy. But I like that. I like that. I like, I'm a lost guy. So, you know, uh, yeah, that was weird. The polar bear stuff. They just like threw it in there, and then they're like, "Oops, we forgot about it." Oops, never mind. Yeah, I'm sorry. That just because we're talking about loss, though. The Walt stuff led to one of the best lines in the history of the show when they had the time jump because Walt was back in you know the regular timeline off the island, and somebody tells Sawyer, "Walt's got large," and Sawyer says, "Like a giant," which. <laughs> is this great line that just plays off of like, you don't know what's going to happen on Lost. They don't know what's going to happen. Everything's yeah. been so crazy. That's what so they far. intended the whole time is to lead up to that one joke. For, for I stopped watching after that because I was so happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, cool. back to Indigo wow, no Children. No wonder you love it. Uh, so with Indigo Children, like, like I said, and like we've been talking about, there's a little bit of a mystery in terms of exactly what's going on the play zone over the course of the first issue which is out now, by the way. Anybody can pick it up from Image Comics. Second issue is coming out at the end of the month. I'm not going to say anything about that, but things take wild, huge turns in there with some big, enormous action scenes that happen. But to talk about this issue in particular, why did you... How, how did you embrace the mystery? How did you decide to lay out the information as you laid it out over the course of the issue? What was important to you in terms of the pacing there? Uh, I, that, I wish I had a great answer, but I think I wrote this issue and in a, a couple days, I was really like, uh, obsessively writing it. And, uh, I think the first thing I came with was that opening sequence. And then obviously I wanted to, uh, the first issue is kind of a puzzle box where you start with this, uh, with this time, this like precursor sequence and then you go into the present and at the very end we sort of go back to that first sequence and like pull the rug out from under you uh so i I think i wanted to do a big meaty first issue that like could function on its own right it's kind of like when you have uh not to pull too much into the tv stuff again but it's when you have like a extra length pilot or whatever and you feel like oh that's sort of uh a mini movie or whatever. Like I, I was really interested in it and obsessed with making it as compelling as possible and uh, as tightly constructed as possible. Well, uh, oh, go ahead, Justin. You were going to ask something. Yeah, I was going to um, compare this uh, to another book of yours. It's only Teenage Wasteland, uh, which is oh, also yeah. out now. Another book we've talked about a lot. And it feels like uh, uh, Indigo Children really is like, sort of more tense thriller while only Teenage Wasteland gets to have sort of the fun, but neither world is slacking on the big swing sort of sci-fi fantasy of it. Um, Were you working on these together? What was the timeline for both of these books? Uh, So I think I started working on Indigo Children uh, first. Uh, We've been working on Indigo Children for almost three years now. We we did another book in Image and then about six months after we finished that we sort of decided to do this and pitch it to them uh and it's just coming out now because the the image books was sort of working on 
around the rest of the schedule, uh, which is sort of fun in a way because it gave us time to really like uh, fine tune the thing. But Teenage yeah. Wasteland was a much shorter incubation period. I think what happened with that book was uh, I had the idea that I wanted to do like a comedy that dovetailed into like a harder, weird sci-fi direction uh, and have it be sort of character based. And initially I was thinking of it being uh, older characters and then just thinking about things and uh, working on youth and stuff and, and, and sort of meditating on it. I realized, oh no, I need to do this as like a teen party thing and kind of tap into that sort of uh, foundational narrative of, you know, those coming of age films and then just, you know, again, pull the rug out on different people and, and uh, do the, to, the artist of the book sort of described it as like a beat switch when you have a beat switch in a, in a song, right? And it's, it's, uh, yeah, easy way you're listening to it. And that's sort of what the ending of, uh, the first issue of Teenage Wasteland is, as well as, as the last issue, it has one of those, right? Where it's like, you think it's all gonna, gonna wrap up and we sort of just throw them deeper into the shit. Um, I just want to mention real quick, just to bring together two discussions here while we're talking about It's Only Teenage Wasteland, there's an exchange that happens, I think, in the third issue where somebody says, this is some lost bullshit. And then another character says, we do not uh, take David Lindelof slander in this house. But yes, this is some lost bullshit. (laughs) Amazing sequence. When we read that in advance, again, for our stack podcast, and I was like, this is going to be my new Twitter editor. And it is. It is my Twitter. I, saw, I uh, yeah, I saw when you when you you tweeted that, and we had a good interaction there because I've been uh, I was tuning in a bit. I, 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 I stopped watching to be honest because I I find it very weird to watch reviews of my stuff. It triggers you know the anxiety in me a lot, and it just mm-hmm. makes my brain feel fried. While I was watching it for you guys, because I thought it was like really funny, uh, and. Uh, and yeah, you guys, I like the show, so it's funny, and I, I appreciate you guys. Oh. You can tell you really like. Well, the thank you, Kurt. We we really love your writing, man. Uh, to kind of bring it back to the uh, the, the one we're talking about here, Indigo Children. No, no, keep talking about Lost. Nope, nope. We're trying to move <laughs> off that. Um, uh, I, I'd love to because this is based on on true stuff. I'd love to like know how much research you had to do, or did you go down like a, a rabbit hole? And were you, when you were talking, two-part question, sorry. And for the second part, when you were talking to the artists, were you like, no, 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 make the kids creepier? Yeah, creepy. <laughs> uh, that's funny. So the research stuff, I think it really was inspired by this one piece of this article uh, that I found that was about sort of the, the this Russian kid who's sort of like the the inspiration for our like main kid i was like this kid claims he's a you know reborn martian all this stuff he's like a child genius and he was saying all this fucked up stuff right and so like what happened was i I was on and this is a really funny story because it's kind of lame but i was on snapchat because my brother sends me like would send me pictures of his dogs but i never use snapchat because it's an app for like you know 15 year old girls or whatever (laughs) i was on there and i was like looking I was flicking through it and uh, it was, that's where I found it. I was like, holy shit. And I uh, started Googling and stuff. And it's really, that was the inspiration of the story because like, you can't really find all this information on 
on this kid or like what the fuck happened to him. So I was just like, might start filling in the blanks and obviously doing the weird, uh, you know, mashup of the conspiracy stuff and like Steven Spielberg stuff I like and sort of uh, grounded superhero stuff. So that was where that came from. And then the creepy kid stuff. No, that was all him. Uh, so, so I blame him. But I think one of the creepiest things we did was when we added that, like, the VHS thing, I think, makes yeah. it so There's, That's, like, my favorite part of the, the book. And that's something we, we, I worked on, like, really nailing is that, like, slow zoom out or whatever. And he starts to pixelate. I'm like, I was looking at it today. I'm like, man, this is so creepy. Just, like, even though we made the thing, I'm like, this is, I, I, yeah, happy with that. I mean, it was interesting to me that Justin mentioned it's only Teenage Wasteland, which obviously, like, there are similarities there. But this seems a lot closer to me to Youth, another book that you do that's also, yeah. like, slowly creeps up on being about superpowered children. What is it about throwing teens into these wild sci-fi situations that's interesting to you? I mean, I, I honestly think about that myself because I don't know why I'm running so many teens. It's like, yeah. <laughs> so you're on Snapchat too. Yeah, you're on Snapchat. You got that Snapchat you're inspiration. Right. <laughs> and creepy. Uh, but I'm. I think teens are such interesting characters because, like, they're so volatile and everything's in flux, right? So when you throw them into these big uh, situations, you have so much. Uh, room to, to play around and I think they're just sort of like mirrors which we can sort of project a lot of adults personal issues and all this stuff right so they're sort of ciphers and I, I think that's like outside of my work if you look at something like you know Yellow Jackets I think one reason that sh show is so good is because there's so, that the teens in that are, are reflective of so many different people and, and we can all sort of you know, see ourselves in them. So I think that's why, uh, why I'm drawn to that. And I think also like a lot of people, good or bad, you have such formative memories around that time. It's like a, a key period. So I think that's sort of why I, I keep going back to that, to that well. Cool. Uh, do you think there, do you want to skew older potentially with the next thing just to kind of change it up a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to do just be doing teen stuff. It's kind of, you know, I mean, that dude. But uh, I think the books, like, vary, right? They they just, these books kind of come out close to each other, so it feels like, oh, it's a lot of teen stuff. But uh, we've got a, lo a, a lot of different books coming out, right? But uh, already thinking about it, one of them also has teens in it, so, you know, fuck me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got a question here on YouTube from Derek Mainhart says, given the teen angle, would Kurt ever consider writing for Archie? Mike, mm. uh, well, thanks for the question and tuning in first off. And I don't know if I would be, uh, right for it, but I would like do something. I would do a short or something, you know, it's such a historic comic, but I don't think I would, you know, be the right guy for that particular gig long-term. Do you think, is there a character from Archie Comics you think you'd spark onto in particular? No, I don't need to. I haven't met Archie since I was a kid. I have no idea. <laughs> Archie's still there. Yeah, they're pretty That's much the same. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I like Jughead. He's yeah, funny. Missed much. All the, the burgers or whatever. Uh, I think I would, 
I would do it like, you know, that volume of Criminal where they did the, the like Archie comic and the thing. And it's like about how their lives all went to shit after high school or whatever. And it's like, I would do like that. Like that would be, be my version <laughs> of it. So I think maybe just go read uh, that volume of Criminal that did that. <laughs> For your take. Uh, well, what else are you working on? You've got Indigo Children obviously going on now, like we talked about. It's, it's awesome. only Teenage right. Wasteland is... Well, uh, to get back to that for a second, that wrapped up the first volume. Are we going to see more of that? There's a little bit of tease of that at the end, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so we're into figuring that out right now, really. We we want to wanna do more and like have plans for pretty much the whole storyline. So we're multiple more volumes so we're working on figuring that out it's kind of a, a, a scheduling thing at this point but um, we both really want to work on more and sort of th- see it through and what else do you got cooking that you can talk about if anything uh so we've been uh we i'm doing this this new book that's out in a couple months that is not teenagers it's it's, a, it's a pretty crazy book i've been working on for a while called uh you've been canceled and, and it's like a transmetric politics mm. judge dread. And it's basically like a future murder game series where uh, people like vote on who they want to see get canceled. And then bounty hunters compete to like kill the person and whoever, whoever get, gets the kill gets all the money and the fame and stuff. Right. And so that's a new book I have out in June with uh, this new publisher, bad cave studios, but doing a lot wow. of cool stuff and, and yeah, like I just funded that book out of pocket until we, we found a publisher because it's a super crazy idea and everyone's kind of they're uh they're weak uh when it comes to joking about cancel culture, whatever. Uh I wanna say they're pussies, but maybe that's a little bit toxic. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh well so, it feels like you scooped up the whole internet with the pitch for that book. You just got it all in one. Yeah, day. so uh, so anyways, it's this amazing book. It's ultra bond cool. And so that's out in a couple of months and then uh been working on it, but a ton of books in comicsology, obviously. I'm like finishing those up. Uh well, you know, the fucking Amazon shit show goes on over there. Uh, <laughs> who knows if you'll be able to read them, but we're working on them. Okay. Uh, and then, yeah, I've been, um, we still work on the youth TV show, um, in the writer's room for that cool. right now. And then we have a yeah. few other TV things, uh, going that hopefully we'll be able to like announce soon, but, uh, really just, try and make the comics as cool as possible. Then if we can um, set them up as TV or whatever else and like work on making cool versions of that and get some money to do a bunch more cool comics, that's really what, what I've been up to. Right. Uh, How many hours a day are you writing with all of that sort of multimedia uh, stuff you just mentioned? Well, like not that, I mean, it's like less than you would think I've a pretty full schedule but it's like uh the writing is is either happens or really fast or it doesn't so a lot of time spent just thinking and figuring stuff out right so Mm -hmm. but it's pretty it's it's time consuming to oversee all the the production on the books right because it's like on top of the writing i'm editing the stuff so i gotta get the letters in you know 
proofread, yeah. do this, do that. And then on top of that, wow. uh, do all the meetings and, and work and stuff on the like production company side, which is pretty much its own full-time job. But uh, it's whatever. I don't, I'm like my own boss and, and <laughs> you know, I've been able to do some cool stuff. So I'm not going to complain about it. Yeah. I, I did want to ask you, since you mentioned it, about the youth thing over at Amazon. I don't know how much you can talk about it, but I know you were starting to work on it the last time we had you on the show. So it seems like it's a very careful development process, is I guess the way we would put it. Uh, what, what, again, whatever you can say, what is involved in doing that? Because I feel like there's been a lot of questions lately, particularly when it comes to Amazon. There was a whole flap yesterday about Phoebe Waller-Bridge getting $60 million dollars never producing a show, but obviously at the same time, like she's been working on stuff. She's been doing stuff. She hasn't been like, do, 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 do. So whatever you can. And, yeah. She's been doing Snapchat you know, and watching lost. Oh, yeah, been on Snapchat. She hasn't put out shit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm curious for you. Like it, it's been a couple of years. So what, what is involved in that? What are you doing? So when you're just working? A, yeah. So just, Basically, what people got to realize about this is it takes forever to get this stuff made because you're asking them to spend millions and millions of dollars to go and shoot it. And it's sort of reached a point now. And you, because you brought this, this uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge deal up, and, and not her specifically, but there's was a glut of spending in streaming where it was like the fucking Wild West and they're just giving everyone these giant checks and like seeing nothing for it. Uh, I think, you know, we talk about loss of JJ and probably the best example of that $300 million to fuck around for three years. Uh, And (laughs) so they've gotten, they're just careful now, especially at Amazon of of what they're going to green light. But the fact that it's been this long and we've, we're still alive and we've, you know, got a writer's room going, which is a big step. And and there's been some other, that's huge. Uh, there's been some other stuff behind the scenes that we've gotten approval for that uh, I can't, I think I'll get in trouble if I talk about, but it's still in motion. It just takes fucking forever. It's pretty much the yeah. answer. It's just so much money to make a show and they're really, really careful now. And I think unless you're a super proven uh, like unicorn TV creator, there's maybe like 20 of them or whatever, like super small number. It gets harder and harder to get a series green light unless they're like just a hundred percent happy with it. So it's, yeah, it takes a while, but we're still alive out here. All right. I mean, the fact that you have a writer's room going is super exciting. Cause that's sort of anyone spending any money right now is a hard, I mean, it takes months. It takes sometimes nine months to work out a contract. So, of course, it takes long to get from point A to point B. Uh, do you know at this point, uh, I'm just curious because the announcement came out that Scott Snyder's and Jock's Witches is going to be animated. Uh, since you are a comic book property, do you know if there are, is it going to be animated or live action? Or are you able to? Or live action. Yeah, live, live action. action. Okay. Well, real awesome. people in ours. we got real boys and girls on the <laughs> Awesome. Well, that's very exciting. Kurt. Uh, this is all great stuff. Indigo Children is so cool. Um, I highly urge everybody read the first issue because you're not going to be prepared for the second issue at all. (laughs) It does some wild, awesome stuff. I'm looking forward to whatever is next from you. 
yeah, thank you so much for uh, having me and, and continuing to check the books and archives. I, I do really appreciate it. No worries, yeah, man. We love yeah, them. We'll keep it's part of the Pyre's pile on the staff. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Have a good night, Kurt. Brandon Seeker. All right. There we go. Once again, it is called Indigo Children. You can pick it yeah. up from Image Comics. First issue is out now. Second issue will be out at the end of the month. And now I would be remiss to mention we are supposed to have a second guest here on the show, Dan DiDio. He is doing a book called Hide and Seek, the Superpower Protection Program that is out today. But it seems like he is in a superhero protection program himself or maybe playing Hide and Seek with us. We got to find him. That's part of the game. It's that's hard. Hard. That's fine. Fine. It's it's fine. hiding. That's how it works in the books. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so unfortunately, he is not here at the moment. We'll see if he shows up by the end of the show. Uh, in the yeah. meantime, I think we are going to move on to our We have a very time. laissez-faire, come-when-you're-ready policy here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always sure. send our guests an email. I'm like, hey, uh, this show happens. Come whenever. It's all good. Hey, except that's why Pete, Pete shows up whenever he wants to. It's whenever it fits into my schedule. It's free, you know? Exactly. We're free. You know what's fun is when you're, you know, trying to uh, – you know, finish work so then you can read comics to do the show, and then you look up and you're like, "Oh crap! Look at the time!" <laughs> oh, you had like a, a moment where you're just like, "I'm late." Yep. Yeah. 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 Your little alarm clock, your cartoon alarm clock is going. Your text that was like, "Hey, buddy, you're gonna <laughs> show up," and I'm like, "Ah." Well, no, you didn't have time to blur your shame hoodies. So it's hey, clear that you're... <laughs> my lovely collection of uh, uh, hoodies over here. So, well, yeah. regardless, we are going to move on to our next section, which is my favorite section because you all. Hold on, we have one one comment here uh, that is coming through uh, from Derek Mainhart. Bring in that. Well, I don't, I don't know think that's what... a good idea. That's, that's not my favorite section. Yeah, my well, favorite would... section is audience questions. And. <laughs> For I audience forgot. questions, all you have to do bring in that. Bring in all that. you got to do is leave a question in the comment on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch, and we will get to it here. It can be on absolutely anything you want. Anything is fine. Um, even where's Dan DiDio, but we we can't answer that one. I'm sorry. Uh, but that all said, yeah, that's our. You know, it's especially a little bit of a bummer because Stray Bullet, our CBC chef made a drink for Dan's book. So I'm going to bring that up anyway. Oh, I'm going to nice. show that off here. Super tidy there, so you probably can't see it. But it is called The Hide or Seek, and it is oh. absolutely delicious. Ooh, that looks, it, put that in front of the camera again. I love the color on that bad boy. Yeah, no, it's nice. Beautiful. It's very refreshing. Got a little jalapeno, some mint. I really was not able to find basil at the supermarket, but it usually has basil in it. Some gin. Whoa, whoa, hold on a second. You couldn't find ba We have another podcast where we have to review. We review candy as we're uh, talking yeah. about the, the TV show Sweet Tooth. And Alex can conjure any piece of candy, candy you've ever even heard of. ever been made. Selvin, He's like special basil, small man. batch Cadbury eggs. And you can't basil. find basil, which is everywhere. I'll tell you what, if it had been chocolate-covered basil, I absolutely would have found uh, it. But. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As is, anyway, this is a delicious drink and a lovely tribute to Dan's book, even if we are not talking to him about it. So thank you, Wait, did as you always. finish the ingredients? That, you know, Justin did a sidebar there. and I just Oh, my God, they're so tiny on the screen right now. So, okay, you take some... Here, hold on. You take some sugar, jalapenos, basil, mint, lime zest, and absinthe and muddle that all up. 
Then you add some lime juice, gin, mezcal, simple syrup, and some sparkling water or club soda, and pour it over ice, and it is delicioso. Delicioso! Yeah, delicioso. What are you guys drinking tonight? Uh, I got a little uh, Baltimore uh, special here. I got a little duck pin. Duck pin? Yeah. Wow, Mm. named after the bowling? Isn't Mm -hmm. that a Boston thing? Or is that also Baltimore? It's also Boston. Oh, that's Candlepin. That's Candlepin. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get your fucking cities mixed up there, bro. Don't get, I'm getting my pins mixed. Yeah. Um, I went down to the hotel front desk and they had a hazy little thing IPA. Ooh. All right. Very nice. Uh, well, we got a question here. We got a bunch this of This is, oh, Nat, Nat, by the way, just to wrap this up, says, let the record reflect. I told Alex where to find Basil. <laughs> He was also staring wow. at me from across the street, so which I didn't. Know. He likes oh, now that. I see why you don't want to let him in here. You encounter him in your neighborhood too much. <laughs> Pretty much. And he's All right, we got a question you. here. This is oh, here we go. We brought it in. Schoichler says, uh, favorite surprise in a comic. Mm. Uh, why Great the last crush. man? And I don't want to give it away because uh, there's super spoilers in it. But you can uh, give it away; it's been out for years. Uh, yeah, but I just—it's uh, such a great comic, and I want people to check it out. So I don't want to spoil it. But there—that's my favorite surprise in the comic. Um, let right. me steal Alex's inevitable answer, and it's um, the Magneto Zorn reveal from X Men. That was not going to be my answer. I thought I was going to steal your answer which is the reveal of the anti-monitor at the end of the Sinestro Corps special. Look at that kickoff. It's true. Honestly, my brain almost always goes to Sinestro Corps whenever we get questions about, like, what's your favorite thing from a time in comics? And I'm like, no, that doesn't apply. (laughs) It doesn't matter here. I thought it would be any time they find a use for the Thoris guy or whatever the fuck his name is. The what? The what your, guy? Thor's your guy, your nerdy guy. Oh, Thor's? The... Oh, Beta Ray Bill? No, the guy who speaks all the languages, talks to computers. Cypher? It was just a Thoris. You know? Oh, Thesaurus, oh, not Thor's. Okay. Thor's, it's very it. funny that Thor's and we were like Beta Ray Bill, of course. And they're like, nope, <laughs> not that at all. I mean, I like both of those characters, so there you go. No, but just to elaborate, if anybody doesn't know what I'm talking about with the Sinestro Core War thing, it's just this thing where like... We already knew that Sinestro was building up these yellow lanterns to take on the green lanterns. And over the course of the book, he's building up this team of Superboy Prime, who's the Dick Superboy from another universe. He's got Cyborg Superman there. There's a bunch of other villains that I'm blanking on that are all together. And they're like, yeah, we're going to bring the pain to the whole DC universe. They're like, wow, this is going to be tough. This is a big crossover. What a big team. And they keep talking about their master the entire time for the Sinestro Corps. And you're like, I don't know who that is. And there's a perfect page flip where the way that they lay it out is everybody is bowing down to their master. They're like, I'm ready, master. I'm ready, master. And then you flip the page, and it's the anti-monitor, gigantic, saying, as am I. And it's the first time the anti-monitor has ever showed up since Crisis on Infinite Earths. And it's this perfect, oh shit moment of like, well, this was already pretty bad. This just got exponentially worse for everybody. And it's great. It's good stuff. And he is so big there, too. It's also like, wow, it's like someone built a Lego and left Mm -hmm. it there. And then it's like the reveal was that. Yeah, great stuff. 
this is Pete's ready to move on to another question here. This is from Obvious Soul Art. Are there any other secret quizzes to be unlocked? Justin, Great question. Was oh, it my turn? <laughs> it's your turn, man. Get back on All it, right. dude. Uh, then yes, but it's going to be hard to unlock it if I haven't thought of it yet. But good luck. <laughs> um, we always have some secret quizzes boiling. Pete, do you have a secret quiz boiling? What is going uh, on? What are you doing? No, no, I don't have a secret. I, you know, I like to, you know, I, I don't, uh, I uh, I close the Punisher quiz. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm hoping after, you know, maybe we get some more Daredevil Punisher love that will inspire another quiz. But as of yet, uh, nothing. Hmm. Okay. I'm uh, waiting for Justin to go, though, and then I can uh, get excited to uh, to, to do yours. Um, Matt Towson in the comments says he'd like to unlock the secret Dandadio quiz. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that Dandadio is in another castle. Any message, yeah. you, this is from Ben the Border Collie, any message you'd like me to pass on to Kevin Eastman, I might get to meet him this weekend when I'm helping out at South Carolina, I assume, Comic-Con. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. I think I speak for Pete when I say fuck Tom Waltz, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let him know that. <laughs> no, Definitely no, play him that clip. Play him that clip for the episode. Ben. ben, if you are, you know, it depends on how long your interaction was, is with him. But, uh, yeah, I feel bad because the first time I met him, I was so excited to talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You know, as an interviewer, you want to kind of talk about things that the person wants yeah. to talk about. And, and you were his kid, doctor at that point. His kid was I, in the hospital. And he yeah, was like, please. I, he had like a bunch of projects he was excited about. And all I wanted to do was talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I felt bad. And I felt bad. All you did was kiss while, his I hand think. over and over again. Kiss his precious <laughs> hand. If it makes you feel any better, Pete, and I mean this sincerely, you are 100% definitely not the first or the 10th or the the 500th person to have done that to him. So I I would just like you to walk up to him and say, hey, man, sorry, uh, everybody keeps bugging about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You're probably over it. But uh, also, thank you for for creating Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) Nice. Uh, There we go. And then after that, play him the Tom Waltz quip from our podcast uh, this is from <laughs> yeah. Derek Mainhart do you drink seasonally um, if you mean all seasons yes yeah if you mean for all the seasons <laughs> yep. yes yes we do yeah there you uh, go. but I mean to answer that question that maybe the, the underlying question is do I do we change what we're drinking for the seasons and I think yes a little bit I would say winter is more cocktails and summer is cheap canned beer for me mm-hmm. mostly oh yeah. wow uh, I tend to go for like, if I'm going to go liquor, probably like a lighter liquor as it gets warmer and a darker liquor as it gets colder, like more of a bourbon whiskey type thing. So uh, yeah, I'm always summer. Uh, I'm always drinking vodka and then every once in a while I switch up with the beer. And uh, if it's if warm out, it's uh, usually a lighter beer. That's there about the only yeah. adjustment. Miller High Life in the summer. And then uh, a, a nice Paps, hearty a little cocktail. PBR in the winter. Yeah. Or a Labatt. PBR me ASAP. Yeah, something heavy like PBR yeah. for the winter. Yeah, there you go. This another question here. Have any of you seen the Mario movie? Oh, God, don't. Um, yes. I saw the Mario movie. Is that a different release? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. But the question was, have uh, we slam. seen it? And we've answered it. So let's move on. I saw uh, it. No, Wait, Alex, I, are I you... Saw... No, 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 no. I saw this well. I'm, I'm ducking it. I'm ducking it. Uh, the kids want to see it real bad. 
You're not um, seeing it, Pete? I thought I, you would have seen it opening night, yeah. if anybody. Well, I uh, the kids really want to see it, but, uh, you know, uh, we're still knee-deep in Easter candy, so we got to work our way through that before you take a what? movie theater and then they get all the candy <laughs> they want. What? <laughs> That's what kind not of crazy rule is that? I, it, I, it's very uncle, funny that you, you don't have to fucking follow the rules. You know what I mean? If they're rolling with you, they can get anything they fucking want, man. Yeah, if you're uh, the I man that can't understand. control himself around candy, and you're demanding these kids control themselves around candy, that's I just don't absolute. also don't understand the connection. Maybe can you explain this for me a little further? Uh, between like, okay, once you eat all your candy, then you can go see a movie. Yeah, because <laughs> when they go see a movie, they get so much fucking candy, and then we're knee deep in candy again. So it's like you bring know, the gotta, candy I'm, that they have to the movies. Yeah, in exactly. A little bag. Yeah, that's true. I could do that. Yeah, I could, let's say, bring your baskets. I'm sure no one at the movie theater will mind. They really won't, uh, actually. <laughs> <laughs> they probably uh, so what did you think, actually, Justin? What did you think of Super Mario Brothers uh, movie? I thought, I was, I liked the, it, it sort of was like playing the game, weirdly, mm-hmm. and I was surprised I enjoyed that because there wasn't much of a story to it, and no. that's just the way it was. Uh, but the fact that they mimicked the gameplay a lot and moved quickly through the story, um, I actually enjoyed. And the music outside of the needle drops, which were pretty bad, yeah. was amazing. The orchestrations were sick. Yeah, 100% on the same page as you. My main reaction afterwards, I, I took my son midday Saturday, I think, or something like that. And it was a pretty nicely full theater. Um, he came out and he's like, wow, that was great. And my reaction was like, yeah, they did exactly what they needed to do. Nothing more. Like, it does not go beyond that. It's not like the Lego movie where it's suddenly this treatise on how we play with toys or anything like that. It's just straight up a Mario movie. Did the thing. Yeah. It's good. Um, I'm, I'm excited for Jack Black as Bowser. He's great. He's maybe the best part of the movie, I think, I would say. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, for all the yeah, talk but... about the voice acting and all that all that talk, none none of the voices really did much outside of Jack Black, I thought. Yeah. And I will say, this is not actually ruining anything. I think, if anything, it'll enhance your experience. Um, Charles Martinet, who does the voice of Mario, where everybody was very upset, like, he didn't get to do the voice. Chris Pratt gets to do the voice. Charles Martinet actually voices two roles in the movie yeah. that oh, are nice. really fun Easter eggy roles. So, yeah. Cool. Good stuff. The, I, a lot I, of Easter eggs. I was surprised. Yes. Very cool. I, I felt like a little bit of a sucker, but particularly in the first 10 to 15 minutes or so, I was like, oh, good. I, oh, look at that. I know that thing. Hell yeah. Oh, there I you go. I loved all of that. Yes. I know. I won't so, say what it was, but I was like, oh, yes. I love that picture <laughs> frame in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 100%. I was like, cool name for that pizzeria. Yay. And I was like, afterwards, I was like, what are you, an idiot? And I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, I am an total idiot. idiot. Uh, and also, it's like, it's 90 minutes long. It's 90 minutes long. There's been no family movies. So I was just like, oh, thank God. I could take my son to something. Oh, not... thank God. Oh, yeah. thank God. <laughs> I mean, I still fell asleep briefly, but it was pretty good. For oh, man. Yeah. And there's a point where it just becomes like a mess of whatever. But again, it's totally fine. Go see it. Eat that candy while the kids aren't looking. Pete, take them to go see it. Uh, hold from... on. I want to highlight. Uh, right oh, yeah. Before go ahead. We move Please. on. Um, the the Troy Clear comment. 
Uh, the needle drops weren't Black Adam bad, they but they were all obvious. That's a hundred percent spot on. They weren't as as embarrassing as Black Adam. They were just um, what we all expected. Yes, sorry, and I just... but I, I also want to emphasize. I agree with you. Like the orchestrations, the barrio themes were great. They were so good. Like it was just calm. It was just like calming. I was just like, oh, it's so satisfying. Yeah, all of crazy. that music is so deep in my bones. When oh, suddenly you yeah. hear like. I was like, yeah, we're going, we're going underground now. We're in the sewer. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. I know. I wish that played when I got on the subway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is from David. You have any fave foreign or smaller run comics or comic movies or comic book adapted shows? Ooh. Good um, question. Easy one, but I'll throw out the ink cow. Uh, it was one of my favorite books when I was growing up. I loved reading that, was obsessed with that. Very curious how Taika Waititi is even going to approach that as a movie because yeah. there's barely a story to that thing. It's just wildness, but I don't know. It'll be interesting. What about you guys? You got anything? Uh, too Cool to Be Forgotten is the first thing I thought of for a small uh, yeah, run. A, a smaller sure. run comic. Um, I can't think of anything. I'm trying to think of smaller... Uh, run stuff. Uh, one thing that I have watched a little bit of was the um, that I'm just gonna keep get back to is the um, is it Miles Teller did the Amazon show based on that's like sort of super obtuse. Uh, oh, based on uh, the um, Ed Rubaker param- story. Oh, the. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the offer for a second, the Paramount Plus show about the making of The Godfather. But you mean, I know what you're talking about. It, too Old to Die Young. Yeah. Uh, that is based on um, a graphic novel, and it's apparently hard to watch, but there's uh, it washes over you after a while. And this that's is what it is from my viewing of it. Totally unrelated to this, other than the fact that you mentioned an obscure thing that was created by a comic book writer. I had no idea about this until I was reading a random review today. Uh, Renfield, the new movie with Nicholas Holt and Nick Cage, came from a pitch from Robert Kirkman. (laughs) It's not a comic book. It's not anything. It's just a movie that he pitched that they're doing that somebody else wrote. So, wow. but he yeah, he didn't write it. Does he get? No. Does he have credit? Does he have? Yeah, he's an EP credit? on it. He's an executive producer. Wow. Nice man. That guy just getting it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, all right, we got one here from uh, Tom Dar. Thoughts hey! on the last ep of the Mandalorian that many consider a low point for the series. Yeah, it really depends on who you talk to because other people consider it a high point. Um, you want to talk about? You Jack call Black. it a high point. Yeah, the power couple of Lizzo and Jack Black. I could watch that all day. Those two together were magic, and uh, yeah, I loved it. Also, it made me laugh that uh, the Mando was just kicking robots. That just really cracked me up. <laughs> just standing there, they're working. He's kicking them. Oh my god, I, I laugh so hard at that. <laughs> it's really you hate robots. Um, I I think like I Pete, you love it, and I I don't want to get on that uh, track. I just think the Mandalorian that I sort of loved in season one was something so different than what it is now. And there yeah. are some aspects that are interesting. It's just so far away from what I liked that it's hard for me to be as on board as I was in the beginning. It got a little away from the, you know, it's kind of almost like Jessica Jones season one. We all thought that was the best season. What? And then it, got, it got a little bit weirder. 
uh, as it went on. Um, have you only watched two TV shows? Just checking out that. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yes, yes, I have. Uh, I try to keep Family it, Ties uh, and Jessica Jones season one. Uh, <laughs> don't forget to add that. So. Uh, but yeah, I just think that, you know, the kind of cool Western that it started at is, is not where it is right now. And um, yeah, I mean, for some people it's okay. For others, it's kind of a low point. So. I, so I will couch this in. I didn't really love this week's episode and like Justin, I haven't really been loving the season in general, but I am still stunned that anybody considers this like a low point for the series and jump the shark for star Wars or anything like that. Like here, I'm going to say something controversial and I will say this for the direction of, I love star Wars, right? There's a lightsaber Uh, behind me. You have a t-shirt on normally. Yeah. There's uh, a lightsaber behind you. If anybody is listening, I'm not wearing any T-shirt. I'm completely topless while I'm taping this podcast. Uh, the not true. A lot of Star Wars is stupid, and that's okay. Like that—that's the thing. Like a lot of it is very dumb. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. It's not. It's all over you don't the have place. to insult us. You know, you can just no, you know. but it's not. But that's fine. Like that's also fine. Like at the same time, as I thought, Lizzo was kind of a bad actress in this episode. Oh! She was. <laughs> what the fuck? Hold on. Listen to what wow. I'm saying here. Lizzo, He's bad actress in this episode. Lots of people, Juicy bad actors throughout the history of Star Wars. So who cares? It's consistent with like lots of Star Wars. Also, if you have Lizzo and Jack Black in an episode, how can you get mad? Like Lizzo is already there. Of course she's going to be like, Grogu, sit on my lap. I'm going to feed you. Like that's Yo. just... A hundred percent. I fine. love that you you said something so controversial. Pete turned into a uh, background Sopranos actor uh, briefly <laughs> in his response. No, hey! this is what I'm saying. Like you can't, you can't just be like, "That's it for Star Wars." The thing that has been totally consistent for the past thirty years, completely at the same level of quality, and we've loved it all exactly the same way up until. Jack Black and Lizzo were on here, and now I'm done. That's stupid. That's very stupid. I'm sorry. And you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of TV from like back in the day of like the like said the 70s TV where they were like, "Who's who's sitting here? Uh, Jack Black, Lizzo. What do you want to be characters here? Here, put on these hats. Okay, you're gonna be these guys. Get the puppet. The puppet jumps around." And yeah, uh, helmets. You go fight over there. Like it feels very like ah eh, whatever. Like not like. And I think my brain is broken in a good way by Andor, which was so meticulous and so like tense and raw and built like a great machine. And this just feels different. And like again, I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> wow, <laughs> Pete highlighting comments all suddenly. I don't want to like uh, yuck Pete's um, yum 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 yum. Uh, so I won't. But that is what I think. Uh, great. Well, I'm glad we've established what we all feel exactly the same way about Star Wars. This is from Stray Bullet. Where would you like to see the next chapter of the X-Men go after the Krakoa era? I gotta say, and I think all three of us agree, Krakoa era forever. Oh, all right, God. I'll move on to the next question uh, here. Uh, yeah, maybe the X-Men leave and we just stay on the island. You know? <laughs> oh, it's just the barren island, just Krakoa? Yeah, just like 22 pages each month, just like island stuff. <laughs> Birds. Where would you, sex. Pete? You've been the most negative about the Krakoa era. Where do you want it to see it go? After I want the uh, you know Hump Island to die a horrible death, and then um, them all uh, you know have to swim back to the shores, and uh, you know 
uh, you know, maybe we're we're not as welcoming. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, I would like them uh, to rejoin the rest of the world so that they can be a part of things again. I think I think that's what we're going to get after. I mean, we still don't know if Hickman's actually going to come back to finish all of the big, larger, like uh, infinite plans that he has. But if he does, I think we'll get a hard reset. That'll be Gray Malkin Lane Mansion. It'll be back to the tradish way, and we'll pick an X Men team. And I think it'll be very, very back to basics. Well, that's the thing. Though. I think I'm wondering what kind of X Men team is going to be left because I think it'll be full going, basics. It's a shit show. You know what I mean? Of like, no, I, I think they'll actually... go for like classic lineup of like Cyclops will be there, Wolverine Ooh. will be there. Um, Jean Grey, you'll get Storm. It'll be like, what they're probably going to try to do, and they're probably thinking about this anyway, is we're going to be getting the X-Men 97 cartoon at some point. They're going to try to align with that. We're going to get like that yeah. classic animated cartoon. Well, X-Men I don't know how you're going to get Beast and uh, Wolverine in the same room after this shit. So I we'll mean, see. it'll be fine. We'll all be fine. Don't even get me started on comics and their total consistency over the past several decades. Frederico Rosa says, do you think some deaths in comics should stay untouchable or, quote, bring them back? Specifically thinking about Bucky getting back after so long, and I can't imagine him not being part of modern Marvel. Now, just to mention for anybody who's listening who doesn't know about this, I assume most of our listeners do, but just in case, for a very long time, there were two untouchable characters in Marvel who were Bucky and Uncle Ben. Those were the two that you cannot bring back in any way until Ed Brubaker pitched bringing back Bucky as the Winter Soldier, pitched this big story. Obviously, Uncle Ben has come back in different forms, but never officially full-time. Um, but uh, that's just context for anybody listening. What do you guys think about this? Well, it's hard because, uh, you know, Brubaker proved that, you know, you can break rules uh, because the death of Captain America is maybe one of my favorite kind of things in comics. Uh, seeing Bucky, the Winter Soldier, become Captain America was such a cool thing. And, uh, you know, then Falcon. So I, I it's it's awesome to kind of be able to pass the mantle Um you know, it's it just thinks that sometimes somebody's got to die and then they kind of bring them back. It really depends on the story. I'd like to think some things aren't untouchable, uh, but sometimes a great story can prove you wrong. So if the story's great, uh, then I'm all for it. For me, it's like you can't just bring a character back and have them show up back up like, hi, I'm here again, because then it's. It cheapens the whatever took them away, and it doesn't give them anything to do because the story is about their absence often. So I think the reason the the ones we're discussing, Bucky specifically, succeeded so well, and and Spider Gwen, uh, while we're talking like Gwen Stacy, another sort of untouchable character, they found the writers found a way, an artist found a way to bring them back in a way that was like innovative, made them something different and new, while also using their backstory as meaningful emotionally to them as a character and the characters around them. So I think it's the comics, like the only medium where you can bring characters back from the death and everyone's like, sick, let's go (laughs) anywhere else. It's like a problem. Yeah. Like real life, big problem, real life um, documentary. Well, I think that cemetery worked out pretty good. Yeah, I think so. The I totally not, just real quick, you. Pete. Not real though, right? Uh, Pet yeah. Cemetery. You know, you know. Remember that's not real because we we've had a lot of talks about that. That's <laughs> true. That's a good point. 
100% agree with what you guys are saying. The only thing that I'll add is I think it's also very helpful if you have a long-term story for bringing that character back. Like, the reason the Bucky thing works is because the plan wasn't, we bring Bucky back, shocker, period. You know, it was, we have this long-running mystery through multiple issues of a series. Who is the Winter Soldier? What's going on with him? Oh, my God, he is Bucky. What does that mean for him? What does that mean for Captain America? Now he's starting to get his memory back. Now we And they knew this at the point that they were bringing back. Captain America dies, and Bucky has to take over and become Captain America. What does that do to Bucky? And then, of course, Captain America comes back, and that's its own separate issue. But, like, all of those things really layered in. That's the reason Bucky stuck around as a character, not because they brought back Bucky for one issue as the Winter Soldier. And he's like, it's me, it's a me, Bucky. And then that was it. It was, what did it mean at creating him and crafting him and recrafting him? Because he's a character that was gone for decades. We don't know him as readers. We weren't alive. So it's discovering him in a new way. So I, I do think that's something important to think about when you're bringing back a character is what is that long-term story as well? Uh, let's see if we got anything else here. A lot of statements. Um... <laughs> and you can save those statements for our my favorite section, audience statements. <laughs> uh, there was some spoilery stuff about Mario. Um, oh, here we go. Michael Tillman says, if Dan doesn't show up, will Alex's impersonations of him make a return to the show? I don't know. I don't know if they will. I'm not sure. Maybe they will. We'll, well see Well, don't do it now. He's oh, he won't Dan's here. Dan's here. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, Dan's hide and seek. Here. Hide and seek is out today. I got a whole blackboard behind me with clues about what goes on at hide and seek. I'm not going to tell you what they are, <laughs> but there's 52 of them. There's 52 clues and they're very good. No wonder he didn't show up. <laughs> yeah, do you think he's going to be insulted by not he didn't show up and now we're straight up? Now we made, created a cocktail for him and are talking about his book nonstop. <laughs> I think he'll be okay. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, I don't I never forget how you loved Green Lantern's movie costume in Pete's What? And what is this in reference to? Did I? Love uh, that's Green? in reference to you loved Green Lantern in the movie, a eh, including the costume, and Pete nope. was what. <laughs> Uh, no, I didn't love the whole movie. I enjoyed it more than other people, but you, you like this generation not, Star Wars. It was not a good. It was not a good movie, <laughs> and I agree with Ryan Reynolds. Uh, the editor didn't even watch it. Mm. Uh, this is from Derek. <laughs> I know you just discussed it, but can you fight about Mandalorian again? And we, <laughs> you got it. Absolutely, man. Yep. Absolutely. And we got anything else here? I'm just sort of scanning through. Um, oh, here we go. This is from Prime NRG. Any excitement on this new DC or hero, the announced Xanth? I don't know anything about this. I missed this announcement. Who is Xanth? Is this Who is Xanth? Piers Anthony Xanth? Is this a character that makes lots of women's panties fall out in a very a way that when you read it as a kid, you're like, ha that's a funny joke. And then later on, you're like, wait a second, that's weird. Why are you writing about that so much? Oh, no, we did talk about Xanth. It was just part of the Lazarus Planet uh, mm. stuff where they were introducing characters willy-nilly very quickly. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And I, I actually liked this story. Uh, there were some good... Th- this Which whole, one was this? This was Dark Fate, I believe. Lazarus Planet, Dark Fate. And there were a couple... I think each story introduced a new character, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, uh, we, we talked about how we liked them. Yes. So Xanth was one of those. I agree. I love Xanth. 
yeah, some I, I like the excitement of new characters, uh, new possibilities. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, they have the upcoming comic Spirit World coming out next month. That was the one with Batgirl where yeah. uh, she ends up in the spirit world and this character is in Gotham, I think, and can communicate with the spirit world. Yeah, that was really good. Now that I remember what it is, yeah. that was good. And I'll definitely read that. I'm excited. Um, this is from Edward Doherty. What about the Ray Star Wars news? For anybody who didn't hear that, there are going to be three new Star Wars movies at some point that were announced. The first Alex one... is so skeptical about these. I'm, oh, I'm so... only skeptical based on experience. That's all. Yeah. They've announced so many Star Wars at this point. Yeah, they've announced so many Star Wars movies at this point, and I want to remind you, most of Star Wars is dumb, as we previously established oh earlier God. in this podcast. Um, anyway, the three movies that they announced, one is one that takes place 25,000 years ago, directed by James Mangold, that shows you the first Jedi. Then there's another one that takes place in the Mandalorian era, and it's going to be a big movie that's going to bring together all the TV characters for one final battle against the Imperial Remnant. And then the third movie stars Daisy Ridley once again as Rey, 15 years after the events of Rise of Skywalker, where she is rebuilding the Jedi Academy. What do you guys think about this one? I'm I'm the most excited about revisiting the future of Star Wars. And uh, Rey is a great character, I think. The, the yeah. Rebuilding the Jedi Academy is the... Great. Rebuilding the Jedi Academy is the least fun and interesting part of that to me. It's like, that feels like, let's negotiate some trade <laughs> contracts. I'm like, we don't, just go do stuff. Go have uh, an adventure and a battle and live. You don't need to build infrastructure. That's what we do in our regular world. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Pete? How are, what are your feelings on these movies? I, I'm excited. Um, you know, I just think that uh, Ray is a great character played by a, a fantastic actress. And um, yeah, I, I want more. I think um, hopefully we'll get some new, better stuff. Totally agree with that. The Ray announcement was the one that like got me emotionally in my feels where I was like, oh, she's coming back. That's so great. Um, so I'm very excited about that. The thing that raises a little bit of alarm bells is not to talk about Damon Lindelof, the whole podcast, but that was the one that he was co-writing about a month before he left the movie. He gave this interview where he's like, man, I don't know if you can't write a Star Wars movie, like you can't figure out a reason it should exist. You shouldn't be doing it. And then a <laughs> month later, he was like, well, I've left this project. And then Stephen Knight, whose writer has worked on Peaky Blinders and a bunch of other things, took over yeah. as the writer He's a good writer as well, so that's good. But that definitely, to me, I was like, I don't know. Let's yeah. see what happens. But I think doing one-off movies in different eras, in theory, is a very smart way of approaching it, rather than here is our epic new trilogy of movies. You know, So that's good. I'll say that's, that's a positive. And we yeah. got one last one here I'll throw on from Stray Bullet. You guys never answered my question last week about my robot vac. I'm starting the apocalypse. Spoiler, it hasn't happened yet. I don't remember what the question was exactly. But... I don't know. Maybe it was something yeah. about do you trust robot vacuums? You know what I mean? It's my parents guess. told me they got a, a mopping vacuum as well as their robot vacuum. Or a mopping robot as well as their vacuum robot. I asked them if they fight and they were like, I don't know. We haven't turned them on at the same time yet. So, oh my god, oh, it's too wow, separate. Sounds like they're starting Blackston over there. They got yeah. all sorts of robots running around that house. 
All right, there we go. That is it for your audience questions. We are going to move to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePage. All right. Peter J. LePage, a star of trivia. All right. Do we have somebody for this or are we doing uh, first No, we're going to do a hand up. All right. So this part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win $25 to Midtown Comics or, of course, Long John Silver for some reason. And, uh, yeah, we just need you to uh, volunteer. You can be watching on YouTube or the Book of Faces or any of the other stuff, and you will win a gift card. we got Prime Energy. All right. All right. So Prime Energy uh, got head up first. Oh, no, was Easy Reader, did Easy Reader raise hand last time? We just missed Easy Reader again. Oh, no, Easy Reader, we're sorry. Okay, if we did that, Prime Energy, you are... It's Easy Reader's turn, everybody said. So I'll tell you what, wow. Prime Energy. No, no, no. We did say last week we were yes, going to have we Easy did. Reader. Yes, we did. We definitely did. So Prime Energy, hit us up, comicbookclublive at gmail.com, and we'll get you set up for next week if you're going to be here to see the show. Yeah. In the meantime, Easy Reader, you can answer in the comments for this week's show. Yeah. Pete, are you ready? Well done, guys. Way to be diplomatic about it. And also That's just uh, Prime Energy. If you can't do next week, let us know in the email when you can. And we'll schedule these then. Uh, that we'll way schedule. we can take care of everybody. All right, great. Uh, yeah, here we go. Um, so today's trivia is a topical comic news and a small nod to the legend Michael Lerner, R.I.P. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. All right, here we go. Question number one. Marvel announced some new X-Men titles. What is one of them? Is it A... X-Men, but more creepy because Beast has cloned himself and made Wolverine minions and is stressing me the fuck out. B, Dark X-Men, or C, Michael Buffer. So is it A, which is just a rant, or is it B, Dark X-Men, mm. which, you know, mm. yeah, let's make X-Men darker. You know what I mean? Like, let's really, it's not dark enough. Let's just dark it up. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Okay, B, yeah, great. All right. So cool. <laughs> really good. Uh really good. question number two. There's a new Batman Beyond comic, which I'm very excited about, coming out at the end of July, called Blank. Is it A Neo Gothic Batman Beyond? Is it B uh creepier real name? Or C Woody Omens? Uh so again, <laughs> Woody a, Omens? Yeah, it's a creepy real name. Woody oh, wow. Omens. Could you imagine uh, if that was your Omens? So oh. a neo gothic is uh, the one that would be considered the real. Yeah, answer. easy reader said a. That's the right, right answer. Here it is. There, you go. there we go. Last one. Question number three. There is a new cool image imprint book that is dropping this fall called Blank. Is it a a haunted girl? B fist circles in the air? Or C Arsenio Hall? Hmm. B and C feel yeah. very similar. Yeah, B and C <laughs> tend to be kind of yeah. You, if you're looking for, you might just do maybe just get to, to A and B. Aren't we at a point where we can just uh, combine oh, you think B and so? C? No, 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 no. You don't want to leave out the tri- tribute to a deceased star. <laughs> oh, that's the a main good point. function. Yeah. When we that uh, is correct. When, when, <laughs> Yeah. 16 when we first years got ago, together when, yeah. <laughs> when we created the show we're like how best to pay tribute to the deceased stars in our lives 
I know, the third answer of some sort of trivia question. Then we kind of worked backwards from there into a comic book talk show. Yeah, we just wanted to honor people. Honor the dead is how we first Uh, got Easy readers corrected is A. And, of course, uh, Zelvin knows we're talking about the 1989 All-Star Cast Harlem Nights and all these C answers. Yeah, not to, and before we move on here, I just want to mention, do you guys remember that, right? When I was working at the pit and you came into the lobby and I saw you and I'm like, you want to honor the dead, right? Yeah, I was holding several memorials to uh, local celebrities. And you were like, hey, you want to do a show where we honor those celebrities? And I was was dressed in all all black, you know, ready to start it. I I I had just recently gone to Midtown Mortuary and had a bag full of uh, ashes. Now, before we talk about what is coming out this week, I do want to give a shout out to this week's sponsor. This week's show is sponsored by our good friend Juan Espinosa, the man behind Bearded Man Comics. The goal of the company is to create stories showcasing Hispanic cultures, and they've got two great titles, Adventures of a System Admin and Mythology Stories. If you're looking for a fun book about hacking into computers that comes from an actual place of knowledge, definitely check out all six issues of Adventures of a System Admin. And you could also check out Mythology Stories, which is part of a successful Kickstarter campaign that was highlighted as a project we love by the platform. The comics are available in all major digital platforms, such as Amazon, Apple Books, Comic Central, and Library Pass. You can also find the physical copies and a great amount of merchandise at the main website, beardedmancomics.com. Now, before we start to wrap up here, new comics are coming out all the time. Uh, what yeah. are right you guys, now. at this very second, yeah. what are you guys looking forward to? Well, uh, there's a lot of great comics uh, out tomorrow, and I'm very excited yeah. to talk to you guys about it on the stack. But I'll tell you, one that really jumps <laughs> out at me is Usagi Yojimbo Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number oh. one. Huh, really? Really? Ah, That's a I shocker. Oh, yeah. uh, and then... Danger Street number five. Yeah, you didn't see that one coming. Holy shit, Pete, going up to bat for Tom <laughs> King. Uh, don't always see that. Um, I'm going to go with Briar number four by Christopher Cantwell, mm. uh, a comic uh, dealing with uh, the Sleeping Beauty story and bringing it up to date in a big fantasy story, which I've been really enjoying. Also, yeah. the Seasons Have Teeth number one for Boom Studios oh, I really yeah, enjoyed. Dude. As a standalone, uh, it's coming out tomorrow, so I will enjoy it. And that is a uh, fun one-off. Maybe It feels like a one-off, but it feels like it also may be continuing a story set in a world where the seasons are a little more aggressive than um, our current seasons. Yeah, lots of great stuff, like you guys were saying, coming out tomorrow. I will give a shout-out to 8 Billion Genies number 8 from oh, Image Comics ah. in the final issue of this story about a world with formerly 8 billion genies. Very curious to see how that ties up. And also another one, the Sandman universe, Night Country, the Glass House, number one. great call. Man, those Sandman universe, Night Country books are so terrifying, so excited slash nervous about it being back. If you haven't picked it up today, definitely do, because it is wild and crazy. And folks, that is it. For this week's show, a couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Kurt Pyers for coming on. Check out Image Comics Indigo Children out in stores now with issue one, issue two coming out later on. Also, he wasn't here. But if you want to check out Dead to Dio's Hide and Seek, the Superpower Protection Agency, uh, Protection Program, excuse me, that's in stores today. 
next week we have a pack show. Mark Russell is going to be back on the show to talk about Second Coming Trinity and all of his other projects. Also, J.C. Barber and Wes Watson are going to be here to talk about Count Dante. Kalani Hubbard and Louis Gaudino um, are going to be here to talk about the Sky Hoshi anime. A couple of other things we want to plug from our end. Sons of a Gun, our DC podcast, is ongoing with recaps and rewatches and reviews and rereads and other reread things. But no Riri Williams, because that's the Marvel Universe, which we cover over on Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast, Whoa. where we've been doing Marvel news podcasts every week. That has been a lot of fun. And Riverdale After Dark, our Riverdale podcast is back, baby, and crazier yep. than ever. And oh, things go it. absolutely wild, as you will all see. Patreon.com slash comic book club if you'd like to support the show and all the shows we do. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram or TikTok, ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night. Please welcome out Dan DiDio. Oh, no, no time. We're out of time. We're out of time. <laughs>